Scott here from Social Energy Presents, and welcome to this podcast short from our signature show, Your Backstage Pass, featuring a special vignette from another great episode. In the spring of 1985, um, they were on the 7,800 degree Fahrenheit tour, I think it was called. Um, and that was, that was the that was the album that he had uh, Runaway on, right? Is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we were on an opening tour slot with Bon Jovi. <clears throat> the album was not quite mixed. I remember Bob was sending me mixes when I was on that tour, um, and we went back and forth. And then the moment, but we were gaining a lot of it was wasn't my first time touring and we were getting a lot of momentum a lot of the press um was very very interested in us and then right in the middle of that tour the album came out and it was on a small label small label then called roadrunner out of belgium oh i well, know that label yeah that album broke huge because the timing of it was just perfect so what ended up happening from that bob Ezrin production was that they released barely holding on as, on as a single and that album sold like 100,000 albums in six weeks. So we were back by the fall, headlining the same venues that we opened up for Bon Jovi in. Wow. That year. So that was the result of that Bob Ezrin album. It really broke us in, in Europe. We, Canada was a struggle. Uh, Ralph Alfonso used to work for, he eventually worked for Network, but he used to work for Attic Records. He and I went on a promo tour for Barely Holding On across Canada. And... I got to tell you, it was, it was difficult because Canadian radio, they just didn't get me. You know, the, my first few albums, um, people knew of me because, of course, the Metal Queen video got some air. That was the inception of much music. So it was one of the very first, you know, um, videos to be played. I mean, I guess you can call it viral back then on much music that, you know, but um Canadian radio did not play me. It was real, they did not get, you know, this was the land of, you know, Anne Murray and Joni Mitchell. And there were not girls doing, doing a more aggressive form of music at that time. So they just, it was, I felt like it was beating our head against the wall doing that promo tour because radio was just like, not, you know, it was at the bottom of their record pile, that album. They, it was, they were not that interested in it. They just didn't seem to get a girl making a more, you know, like rock, rock music. Of course, that a decade later with Alanis and Avril Lavigne and completely changed that landscape, right? Yeah. But right around the time of 89 in Toronto, uh, when you were like all over, like as, as a matter of fact, we, I think we have a picture of it somewhere. We'll, we'll probably throw it up on an overlay and post on this, but there's a picture of you and, and Gallagher on the cover of TV Guide. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you were huge. You were all over the place. Hmm. Yeah, Dan Gallagher. Oh yeah, Danny was, uh, he was one of the infamous hosts of Much Music back then. Yeah, yeah, I've met him um, a few times, yeah. I know, yeah, I knew all those guys really well. Wonderful, it was, it was a real fun crew of people back then, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, Much had the Much Awards. So he and I, um, in 89, of course, and 89, I think it was the 1990 Much Music uh, Video Awards. We, um, my album had, was, was, I was a big star back then. And uh, yeah, they invited me and Danny to co-host the Much Awards. So that's why we ended up on the cover of TV Guide together. In, in 89, when I, when I first really took note of you in a big way, because you were all over the place, but that was also around the time that Atlanta Miles album started hitting. 
Yes. I think she just, uh, yeah. Now, was that, did that benefit you in a, in a way? Because it brought another girl who's doing like hers. Her, her rock wasn't as aggressive as yours. It was more pop rock. But what, did that help sort of elevate you a bit? Or was it, do you recall that era? Well, what I have to say about, yes, yes. But let me, what, what I have to say about that is by the time my, my music evolved to 1989, the most aggressive album I ever made was Metal Queen in 1984. And you know what? Metal Queen, I, I'm sure the only song you've heard from that album is Metal Queen. Am I correct? Yes, right. Yes. So people only know that song. That was probably the most aggressive song on the album, but it was the album title. So the choice was, let's release that as a single. Metal Queen was a very melodic, rock, melodic hard rock record. And my music just continued to evolve. I mean, in 1987, I did an album with Peter Coleman, who was Pat Benatar's producer. I'm not, a, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. That oh, okay. spawned, <clears throat> that was a very, very melodic rock record. It had the Only Humans, only human single. Okay. Only Human was a top 40 hit on Canadian radio. So okay. by 1987, because it was a ballad, radio went on that in 1987 for me, right? Oh, okay. Then that, by that was your, your self-titled album, right? Aaron? That's correct. Yeah, By 1989, yeah. Body Rock was a pop album with, let's be honest, it was a pop album with big guitars. Yeah, what, you, what, you, do with my, what you do with my body. And... And, but finally, finally, Canada was ready for a girl doing that kind of music. Right. And then, of course, Chris Ward, who was Alana's boyfriend and partner for many years, Chris Ward and Dave Tyson wrote all those songs for, Al for Alana Miles. Um, she, had a, she had this amazing, great voice. She put out this album. So her and I, we put out these albums simultaneous to each other. And Canadian radio, radio, they were just finally ready. AOR was ready for those albums. And so Alana's album, of course, went, you know, she, of course, had a lot of much music muscle behind her because of the Chris Ward connection. Right. I mean, let's be honest, it's, uh, this music business is all about connections. Mm. But that did help me because they were like, you know, here's Alana Miles and here's Learen who's done another great pop hard rock record. So <clears throat> both of those albums were able to coexist in the scene. And they, you know, I think they elevated each other, really. And then, of course, a couple of years later, there was Sass. So her and myself, Sass... Um, you know, we we were we were sort of the initial women doing that, and and of course, Darby. There was Darby, and um, uh, a couple years before myself, there was Darby and Hollywoods uh, as well. Pardon me, Hollywoods with Toronto. I was going to say Toronto, yeah. Toronto, her and Sharon yeah. Alton. You yeah. know, um, there were, were those girls as well, and yeah. um, but I th I think that you know. I'd like to think we kind of paved the way for artists like Alana, Alana, um, Alana, um, Alanis Morissette and um, Avril. Well, you certainly later. did. There's no two yeah. ways about it. And in 89, you were, I mean, like I said, Alana Miles was just starting to come up in the ranks. I think she had that um, Love Is was the big yeah, yeah. first mm -hmm. came out. And uh, you were like, you were all over the place. I mean, you'd, you'd hear love is a, probably a fair amount because of Christopher Ward, I'm sure. But because I don't think that was the best single on the album, but it was the initial single. But um, you were all over the place. It's, like I said, every time I turned on much music, you were on. Hey, thanks for joining us. 
Check out our many other podcasts featuring vignettes and full episodes from a growing list of recording artists and other music insiders. And please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so we can bring you more great content from this and many other shows we're now producing. Available both on podcast and video on demand. <laughs>